Welcome to the place where we like sprinkle a little bit of glitter to get you feeling good and a little gossip because we just can't live without it. I am your host, Kelly Hutchinson Chapley, and this is Glitter Gossip. So you know how we roll. Our house is always full. We got Miss Jen Myers. Hello. We've got Kelly M. with Guilty Until Proven. Fabulous. Hey, everybody. And Christy Lingua, my co-hostess with The Mostest. Hey, how are y'all? Doing well. We also have a special guest with us here today. We've got Mr. Joshua Feeney running for Louisiana House District 68 here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So we're really proud to have him today. What's up? What's up, Thank Joshua? Thank you for having me. Thank you Thank for you being for here. Being Glad here. You be here. So how are we going to kick the show off today, ladies? Chrissy, you got anything interesting for us today? I have a word for y'all. Oh, word of the day. Let's hear it. Word of the day. Are y'all ready? Okay. Never. <laughs> it is... Wangle. <laughs> Wangle. You know what that reminds me of instantly? What? Remember 50 Cent's like first song, Wangsta? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that like... No. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say where... Wangle. What it makes me think of. Like fina- <laughs> finagle. Something. Wang- wangle it on through. Close. Trying to put like a, a triangle through a square. Like force it through? Yeah. No. Forcefully make something happen. No, like, you took a like a hard um, Okay. <laughs> to try to like figure, figure something, something out. out. No. Oh God, Kelly, that was um, like comparing. Multiple. Uh, stop, stop working it out outside. <laughs> <Not anything. laughs> That's weird. She's like, uh, watch it be something obscure. Yeah. Um, to wangle is wangle. the act of. Is it an act? It's a verb. Yes. Okay. Is it wearing Wrangler jeans while? On a, a f- white on a person wearing Wranglers? Yeah, very wangles. close. <laughs> very yeah, close. Like a white. <laughs> All right, I'm getting warmer. To wangling, wangle something, <laughs> is to sh- like jiggle the handle, like yeah, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. jiggle, jiggle. No. <laughs> I don't know. Like the sound yeah, it would like, make. No, wangle it. Sometimes so it's an action. Politicians resort to wangling, Ooh. paying people off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they do that sometimes. They do that. Sometimes. Sorry, <laughs> Wangler. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> Probably like just meet and greet. You know, like no shaking um, babies and to <laughs> whatever. Shake, what do they say? Shaking, not shaking babies. You don't like shaking babies and kissing hands. Shaking babies and kissing hands. Don't shake the baby. To like shake the baby. Pass something out to like gift things to give away. No. Things. To speak. On their own behalf. Okay. Are y'all ready for the oh, answer? That, that sounded so intelligent. <laughs> um, definition one is okay. to resort to trickery. Oh, see, I was right. Pam. Oh. Two is to adjust or manipulate for personal or fraudulent ends. Okay. And number three is Wanglers. to make or get by devious means. I love that word. It just so happened. <laughs> I just love it. it was the word of the day with you here, and I just yeah. figured I'd use you as a yeah. as an example. Sorry, but we don't think he's a wangler for that. No, record. absolutely. So you're absolutely not into wangling, are you? I am not. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Can't go around wangling on people. No good tricksters. <laughs> yeah. I can't deny that there are some politicians out there that do do it. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Have made a. Uh, Totally. Big impacts in history. From wangling. From, From wangling. wangling. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Joshua, I want to talk to you a little bit about why you decided to run for office. 
it's I've been involved in politics for quite some time, whether it's working on other people's campaigns or just being an activist. But this time around, my representative, Steve Carter, in District 68 was term limited. And it didn't seem like anyone was running against him. Mm-hmm. So I saw this as an opportunity to take uh, my passions in politics and take it to the next level and basically try to deal with all the problems that have been building up for the past several decades. Whether it's infrastructure that never gets touched or the schools are decaying or corruption to the point where nothing functions. I mean, even if you you know Google a list of the least corrupt countries in the world and states, you know, Sweden will be in the top. But mm-hmm. if you talk to a Swedish person, you say there's no corruption in Sweden, they'll laugh at you. Like, there's corruption everywhere. But in Louisiana, especially in the digital years, it got to the point where nothing even functioned. Right. Where I went to a university that had over a billion dollars cut from it while we're selling off state assets just to keep the, bu- the budget balanced. None of this seemed, you know, even good conservative politics, let alone just good way to maintain a state budget or maintain a state. Mm-hmm. And like what kind of um, criteria do you have to meet in order to run for an office? Well, for state representative, you just have to be a U.S. permanent resident. You just have to be 18 years old, live in a district for at least a year, live in a state for at least, I believe it's 10 years. And um, that's it. Mm-hmm. So I could totally run against you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you, you would want well, that. Don't you, you missed you the because you missed the qualifying. Yeah. Period. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I missed. Yeah. So there's three Maybe days out of the year. Four years from now. There's a qualifying period. So mm-hmm. unlike most states where you just like you file a committee, you run in the primary. The winner of the primary goes to the general election. In our case, you can have literally a hundred people run based on who can afford to pay five hundred bucks at the clerk of court or the secretary of state mm-hmm. get on the ballot, and that's it. For the record, I would never run for any type of office. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly Hutchinson Shapley, I would never. We do not need me with any type of, you know, power. There's no telling <laughs> what would happen to Louisiana. Hmm. So you're from Louisiana and you went to school yes. here. Yes. I'm, uh, I was born at Woman Hospital off of Goodwood, which is now a police station. Yes. So I joke with people I was born in a police station, mm. but, you know. Went to Hosanna Christian Academy and a bunch of other little private schools and uh, public schools. Went to Glasgow and uh, graduated from Lehigh before it became a beautiful campus it is today. And it Mm -hmm. is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I have a client that actually is a teacher there, and she was talking to me about how awesome it is. And, you know, another high school that was just rebuilt was Walker High School. And I think it's so cool how they have these, like, rocking chairs and stuff for, like, kids that are ADD and, you know, that have a harder time paying attention. You know, if they had things like that implemented in school, whenever I was in school, maybe I'd have been a better student. But I was just like daydreaming, as they called it. That's cute. Thanks. Yeah. That you think that that would have helped you. You're a dick. <laughs> You're a dick. That's my what friend. I'm. That's what I'm here for. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> get that and a lot of dedication. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are some of your top priorities for the state? A few, a few of them to start with would be just supporting the most widely supportive policies that a vast majority of Louisianans support, 80-90% approval rating, whether it's raising minimum wage or uh, passing a law for equal pay for equal work for women or just trying to uh, balance the budget for the long run, you know, make sure we have a sustainable uh, way of financing the state budget so we don't have to have a budget crisis every year. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they pretty much passed something last time, but a lot of that had a massive burden on poor people by doing sales tax instead mm-hmm. of uh, corporate, corporate or income. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't gonna, it wasn't a good idea to give away the um, movie industry subsidies because I felt that that was investing in something mm-hmm. that could easily fly away, like it just did to yeah. Georgia. But the the thing that's costing the state the most money is ITEP, the industrial tax exemption. So per yes. citizen, per individual, they spend an average of twenty five hundred dollars in subsidies for these companies mm-hmm. to be in Louisiana. While in Texas, the average citizen spends about sixty bucks. Right. So yes, we really are unfair. we have the largest corporate welfare scheme right. in the entire state, so in the entire the, country. These companies like Exxon Mobil, the taxes that they pay to Louisiana are lower. Dude, it's it's insane. And then the people like are they all are falling out of saving. control. Like, oh, I work at the plant. Oh, I know you got money. Like, <laughs> I'm just gonna throw a number out there. For example, I don't know if this is right, but it's probably ballpark. Um, like, say, like last year. With Louisiana government subsidies, Exxon saved like $50 million in tax money. So basically, Louisiana is just saying, okay, yeah, you don't have to pay that. It's trying to keep them here and, you know, for the industries to stay here. But we are losing an incredible amount of money. I mean, yeah, well, I think that that's hundreds be of millions of dollars per that year. Is fraction down. Yeah. Like give them, give them an incentive to stay here. But whenever you're hitting, you know, home with $50 million. Yeah, that's just one company too. Yeah, I mean, so that's like, crazy. And it actually hurts the local, uh, local governments the worst. So, it's basically a state board that decides mm-hmm. if ITEP is given or not. And you literally have parishes like East Baton Rouge that literally misses out over the course of ten years over a billion dollars in property taxes that would have went to schools, that would have went to roads, mm-hmm. that would have went to everything you can imagine that a state uh, parish government would spend money on. They can't do it because the state overruled them and gave them a tax credit. Yeah, so basically they meet like every year, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. they, this board just of these people that decide a small, like, like a small check amount. X, yeah, so yeah. these companies like got basically ask for the subsidy and every year they have to be approved and not one time has this board denied anyone. I wonder if They're the like, hair shake yep, can ask for that. Yep, you can have, <laughs> the, what? The hair shake, can we ask for something like that? I know, that? right? Like. They don't care if, well, yeah, heck, if we that, stay here. Where'd you talk? That Exxon plant downtown, that Exxon plant is worth $2.2 billion. That's how much the property is worth. But 67% of it is exempted due yeah. to ITEP. So they only pay property tax on one third of it. That's ab- wow. absurd. Yeah. yeah. Whew. So. Doesn't that just hit you right in the heart? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I like the idea of we well, don't want them to go anywhere. You know, they do make the state money, they, it's a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, these industries are really important, so we don't want them to go anywhere, but that they should probably pay their fair share of um, property tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, everyone should have to pay. Pro- if I have to pay property tax, I, I have a business. I, mean, and I, pay I don't a get lot. any subsidies. Yeah. You know? I mean, I have to pay a lot of property taxes yeah. to have that We have salon. a lot of taxes to, p- to like, pay in Just general. to be downstairs. Yeah. Like, my property taxes is probably forgive, yeah. twice as much as yours for being uh-huh. upstairs. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. That's why it, it infuriates me that people like us owning these small businesses have it hardest well i mean i've had this my small business for seven years now and about six out of those seven years i'm thinking how the hell am i gonna get out of this you know until this year <laughs> yeah. right, like yeah. how uh, the no. hell am i gonna get <laughs> yeah, out of this lease who's gonna sue me and then this past year has just been like godsend like uh, you know since i met jennifer and i've got the dream team and you know our shows and everything's kicked off it's really helped our businesses and, you know, advertising and stuff like that, of course, has helped a lot. But every other year, I'm trying to figure out how the hell am I going to get out of this without destroying my name, credit, credibility, you know what I mean? Just 
image, all of that. But finally, we finally went over the hump, which was supposed to be five years. That's not true. It was seven. Um, but now, you know, we're at a position where we're starting to be okay. But, I mean, I've been holding my breath for this whole yeah. time and being taxed crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like owning a business, you're never like, okay, I'm okay. Like, like they keep always... hitting me, and I'm like, didn't we pay this, Christy? Oh, that's another one. Oh, no, yeah. that's the fire people. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. okay, well, you have to pay for these tags on that fire yeah. extinguisher, plus this property tax, plus your taxes yeah. on whatever, you know, products you sold, yeah. plus you have to 1099 people, plus this, plus that. And I'm, ta- I'm paying so much money just to pay people. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. the amount of money yeah. that I spend just so that I can pay people their mm-hmm. checks is ridiculous. Yeah. You pay yeah. taxes to pay people. And yeah, then I'm paying no taxes <laughs> on products and stuff like that that we're using on on the, on our, uh, yeah. you know, as stylus samples. And I'm paying 100% taxes mm-hmm. on that, yeah. even though I only, you know, spent so much on it because that product mm-hmm. is supposed to be... A taxable product for 100 yeah. percent of the value aren't we paying taxes on our stations that we bought outright with mm-hmm. cash yes. seven years ago because yeah. uh <laughs> inventory yeah so even though it's it's yeah. it's non-movable even your personal property like yeah say like that computer right there like i yeah i bought that before i even started my business but because i use it for my business i have to pay a property tax on that yeah like i have to pay a it's, property tax on you a, know what how much seventies we get you know how much <laughs> what percentage of taxes we pay a hundred percent yeah all of it yeah right the smaller the business yeah. the more yeah. you know yeah if they yeah. know they can get you harder. so they're just gonna like ring you out yeah so, so i have a i have a question for you so i'm i wouldn't necessarily say a noob but i'm kind of a politics noob so like as so say you're elected to this position what like what is your role in this like conglomerate of politicians like what is that's a very good question and what role i don't think enough people give it enough Mm -hmm. credence for how much complexity we have Mm -hmm. in just government in general yeah when people think of government they just Mm -hmm. they generally just think of the federal government so when I'm elected, that means I will be one of a few people that plays a role in state politics. Okay. So any state law, I can either author, I can either co-sponsor, I can mm-hmm. vote against, or vote for. And How do you feel about marijuana? We definitely should legalize it. There we yeah. go. <laughs> I like that. Word. That's not a typical Democrat answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some Democrats out there that are just like, no, forever. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, I... If we're going to tax and regulate alcohol, I see no reason why we can't do that with marijuana. I agree. Because, and we need the money. And Exactly. Yeah. We need the money. The money's already being spent in our state. But we're instead of we're just, you know, keeping the people on the streets, you know, fed and instead mm-hmm. of, you know, taxing it and fixing the streets, you know. I mean, Colorado just made a billion dollars in taxes their first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I see no reason why Louisiana, you know, a state that knows mm-hmm. how to party. Mm-hmm. I see no reason why we can't do that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And honestly, I mean, I feel like more damage is going to happen under alcohol influence than definitely under marijuana influence. Oh, there's no debate about that. Like, the amount of people killed by marijuana is zero. The yeah. amount of people killed every year by alcohol is 150,000. That is crazy, and I'm glad you just told us that. Yeah. Yep. Zero. People need to hear that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like 70 to 80 a day. Die every day. Yeah. From alcohol-related injuries. That's terrible. That's crazy. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't know if y'all know like how the system works, but explain it to us, Jen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so he would be one of f- 
there's like 105 members yes. in the house and he would be you know one of those 105 but they also they break out them into certain committees so you could be on more than one committee too mm -hmm. and in these committees that's where the bills get introduced so like we could write a bill if we wanted to he could write a bill you usually get an attorney to write it because you know i don't know how to do that stuff i'm um, sure you could do it <laughs> yeah you can google it if i put my mind to it so say he's a member of house ways and Ways means. means is that tax stuff mm -hmm. okay the bill would be introduced and that committee of say however many like 10 maybe or less uh they're the ones that decide if the bill should be pushed further through like actually make it to the floor of the house for people to vote on and there's all kinds of different stuff that can happen so is there a limit to how many committees you can be in not that i know of okay. but there is a limit to how many bills people can introduce okay which committees would you like to be in and how do you get in them well committees i like to be in might not have the same opportunity as the ones they let me in because right. it's the speaker and leadership that decides who's in what committee okay so, so you get approved i guess do what so it, you could say i want to be in house ways and means and you have to get approved by yeah, that chairman you can of offer the it of course but it's up to the leadership to decide okay. okay i want you here i want you here or i don't want you in any of them right okay because uh, if you're in committee you have a lot more influence in terms of right. you know debate on yeah. the bills uh -huh. or introducing bills yeah because i mean in theory you know when you learn in civics like anyone should be able to introduce a bill on the floor but it doesn't happen that way in right. real life so do you get one of those Fancy little tables at the Capitol, if you win. Yes. You go assign a the desk. Hopper. Yeah. With a little I always, microphone with a yeah. little screen. Yeah. I always like going in there and I just like <laughs> when, you know, because I've never, I've never gone to when there's like an actual assembly, but I've gone just like when it's empty. Mm -hmm. And I was just think I just like stare down at them and I'm just like, yeah. this is so cool. The Man. extent of my law knowledge is from Legally Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> say that out loud. I know nothing. Yeah, nothing. it's pretty interesting how it works. And I only know this because I worked for some lobbyists for a little while. And I was like, whenever I was learning all that, I was like, wow. Like, this is how it works? That's so, so Joshua, cool. I have a question. And this is a question that I've been having that no one has really ever been able to actually answer for me. And that is, how in the hell does the voting for president work? Okay, because it's real. Okay, no, no, no. Y'all don't, y'all don't dumb me down now. No, oh, no, this no. Shit is just not what I was hell. expecting. We're just taking a quick, quick it's, left. Okay, uh, how so much time got? The yeah. exactly. <laughs> so it's like you get these this group. I assume that well, this, this is some type of you or you know people that are uh -huh. in your whatever would be part of that group, uh -huh. and then they make a decision based on what we think. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's ridiculous. So, so but they're not even elected. Dude. Again, this they're is like a system, college. Yeah. This it's is like a system blows designed, my mind. designed in the 18th century. So this is a time where we couldn't move information on fiber optic cables or beams of light. So back then you had, um, you know, just some guy on a horse and just say, Godspeed and hope he didn't die yeah. of dysentery. <laughs> and back then you just had, horse, these, <laughs> you, know, you had these electors. So based on the popular vote of your state, the Democrats or Republicans would send the electors to represent which side of the party won the popular vote of the state. Is it and those electors are the ones that actually makes the vote. Right. So who's calculating? Okay, so whenever it's like we're down to the wire, we've got Maryland, we've got Louisiana, we've got, mm -hmm. you know, who's calculating all these votes and what are the votes? Are the votes of the people that are voting for us or are they actual American votes? I mean, those are the votes casted that mm -hmm. day. 
Yeah, so, so they have the popular vote, an actual number of you so include we all vote. Whatever, yeah. So they're yeah. like, okay, well, and that's the popular. Vote. So let's yeah. say, for instance, Donald Trump situation, whatever. That's the most recent president. He's mm-hmm. still currently our president. So whenever Louisiana voted Donald Trump, it's because we all voted for him, or the majority of the state voted for him, and then they. So look, let's see how that works. So like in Louisiana's case, fifty-eight percent of the population that turn out to vote. Voted for Donald Trump. Only fifty-three, uh, 50? 58% of the state voted for Donald Trump. Okay. So because he won a majority, um, there were two sets of electors. There was a set of electors for Democrats and a set of electors for Republicans. Because Trump won, they sent the set of electors for the Republicans, mm-hmm. you know, to the chamber, and they are the ones that's going to represent the Electoral College mm-hmm. votes, nine of them, for Louisiana. Yeah, every state has a certain amount to based on the population. Yeah. So well, it's uh, eight of them now. Sorry. What's it used that? To be nine. It used to be nine. Now it's eight of them. Okay. So we have eight, but in comparison, like Texas has like a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I don't California know. California has fifty-five. Yeah. So, so they have fifty-five yeah. more votes yeah. than our. You know. That's why certain states are more important to, um, to win over than other ones. Like yeah. we're Louisiana is just kind of like. Uh, yeah. They're gonna vote. either they're way gonna vote Republican anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like so well, they count. Just like either way, you, just it's only eight. <laughs> well, statewide, you know, it 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 tends to trend that way. So because the electoral college only cares about who wins a majority and not by how much, mm-hmm. so it's not proportional. You literally have it forces presidential candidates to not care about states that they pull way too little mm-hmm. or pull way too high. So states like us, we just get less attention and less love from. From, from Republican election. presidents because yeah. right. they know they're going to win it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with California. You have mm-hmm. Democratic uh, presidential candidates who don't visit California because they don't need to mm-hmm. because they know they're yeah. going to win by you know double digits. Right. So yeah. they go to swing votes, swing uh, yeah. swing states like right. Ohio or Florida or Michigan. Yeah. They or like look at a map and because and then there's some that are like, oh they they are I'm not going to win that one. So I'm just so gonna. the ones that they're like on the fence about that's the ones that they really like focus in hone in on them try to get pull those heartstrings Mm -hmm. exactly and they've done it the world yeah where they like every other man (laughs) (laughs) in our lives ladies but they know the calculation too like if they they know if they lose florida texas and california just throwing this example out there they know they can't win you know like they know the calculations right so joshua i have another question um so my question is on it's, it's and if you don't want to answer this you can say pass yeah. it's fine how do Play you feel about having a female president are you for it or against it and you don't have to be for it you can be whatever you want because it's a matter of opinion i'll tell you mine whenever you're done i don't see <laughs> why having a female president is that controversial or should be any different than a guy i just care if it's a good president mm-hmm. for instance personally <clears throat> my opinion mm-hmm. about female president is i don't think that it's not that i don't think we're not ready for it i think that us as american people are i think that the entire world you know isn't um i don't think that we're gonna get the res- our country is gonna get the respect that it needs from other countries that are still beating women and stoning women i just feel like that we're not gonna get the respect that we need as americans or the you know we're going to lose accountability, especially if someone like Hillary Clinton is in office. I'm sorry. I'm no, I it. completely disagree. I completely think she's wrong. 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 I complet
women I would, presidents, prime ministers. I would love to have a and good, solid female why, to vote for. I just am totally against Hillary Clinton. But well, the Russian meddling in the election, they didn't want to get they didn't want Hillary to get elected because they're they're scared of her. They don't, you know. Well, the world they doesn't necessarily Trump like puppet, our so. current president. To be fair, oh and yeah, I'd say that you know it doesn't it doesn't bode well for us when you have countries like you know Pakistan that have had female uh, prime ministers in a country that you know does not treat them remotely the same, but they've been over to been able to overcome that, mm-hmm. and we still have you know a lot of baggage in our history that we're still trying to work through. If Ireland can have a female prime minister, if Brazil can have a female president, and England, you know, the way I see it, we need the right person to be president, no matter who it is. Exactly. Because there's a lot of bad precedents we've had in the past, you know, and we know what gender they all were, and I don't think it matters whether it's male or female. What matters is we need someone that's above the fray, and you know, calm and collective, and knows how to make decisions mm-hmm. when you're in that level of power that level yeah. of position and if you're worried about how the rest of the world sees us by that leader um you feel like it's gonna make us weaker or look stupid or whatever oh we already look, look stupid Jen. yeah we're already past that point yeah 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 for, for sure. sure yeah i don't think it can get worse i mean we have that right now with the g7 i mean you literally have all the world leaders looking at the united states in such a different light because of because of that guy g7 what the hell is that it's like a meeting the, the G7 is the Global Seven. It's the seven largest economies in the world. They have this forum they meet every year. Uh, it used to be called the G8, but they kicked Russia out. And uh, their idea is to have this forum to share political, economic ideas and cooperate. They've been having these meetings for decades. And the G7 is kind of a pivotal you know, meeting for the United States because it's usually where the U.S. sets the global agenda for the next year uh, on on paper, like just this is so. What is it we just like the do. like the leaders of those countries? The leaders of those seven mm-hmm. countries, exactly. Just to be like kind of all on the same page. Do you think that's why we haven't been in a, a real war in you know? Oh, we're in quite some time. I mean, we're currently in wars, but um, we haven't been to wars with those countries because they're you know close allies of ours, and we uh, cooperate with them more. When than you ever. say we're in war, we're in war with terrorism, or no. well, what we're in a war right now in Afghanistan. Right. There's like, like wars. There's, you know, then there's wars that were just kind of indirectly involved, like the war in Yemen, which basically has roughly two to three million people on the verge of starvation. Yeah, and that sucks. Because of we Saudi have Arabia. Christy and I have clients from Yemen that mm-hmm. that have been with us for, I mean, a decade, and it's so sad because one of our clients, Sam, for instance, he has five children and two wives, you know, and they're like, "Sorry, you can't bring your wives. Mm-hmm. Like, you can bring your kids, but you can't bring your wives." After so much work, you know, filing papers and begging, borrowing, whatever he's had to do in order to get even noticed in Yemen. But he worked his ass off here. Years. Years. Here, his brother going there, them, you know, being scared, his brother being stuck. Mm -hmm. His brother was stuck in Yemen for like a year. Yeah. You know, um, but what's really sad is that he can't save those women. He can choose one. He lived a life that he was raised in. Mm-hmm. But now he has to make a choice. Do I want this wife and kids or do I want that wife and kids? And all he's been able to do is get his kids. They won't even send his wives. And Not even one. His, and to make his journey even harder, Yemen was on the list of the Muslim ban. Yeah. So anyone from mm-hmm. the country of Yemen automatically, when they would be able to be eligible to come to the United States, that was cut off. 
Mm. Well, luckily, he was able yeah. to get because his, his little boy. That was before. Yeah, right before that happened. That was, I guess, like two years ago. The saddest part to me is not uh, the wars and violence that they're fleeing, but is everyone else who keeps their doors closed. Mm. We have more refugees now than ever before since World War II. There are over 70 million refugees across the world begging for someone to take them. And you have a lot of it from Central America. You have a lot of it from Northern Africa. You have a lot of it from the Middle East. And you used to have one out of 57 drowning in the Mediterranean. But because of that new government in Italy that has basically closed off every single port they have and basically saying we won't accept everyone. It's because they're in fear. Now they have one in six people drowning in the Mediterranean. What can we do to stop people from murdering people like it's a joke but they say it all the time well let's just go throw a bomb out there and just knock them out wipe them all out you know i've heard that come from a lot of republicans funny you bring up the bombs because there are two ways we could stop this you know massive refugee crisis so the u.s had a pretty big role in causing a lot of it and so that's the front end and then what we do about the refugees now is you know allow many of them to come to the United States like we did for every other generation in this country's history. But now we're not allowing anyone. Now we're not allowing anyone. We used to allow them, but we don't allow them anymore because now you have people who are scared of immigrants out of nowhere, ignoring the fact that everyone here is an immigrant. And, uh, but, but why is it that you have millions of people from Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, or Honduras, El Salvador, and all these different countries, including Mexico, coming up to the United States? And it's because over the past several decades, especially the 1980s, the United States had regime wars down there. We would go over there, sponsor death squads, overthrow their governments in order for us to get their agricultural wealth, and as a result, destabilize the economy, destabilize the system to the point where the only thing that functions there are cartels. And you literally have men, women, and children fleeing these war-torn places that basically have no law. And there's nowhere for them to go. And then we say, oh no, we're not gonna take you. But the irony is the one country they're not coming from is Nicaragua because that was the one country we didn't succeed in overthrowing. So they have a stable government. Mm. You know, like in El Salvador, the murder rate is higher than Chicago. Like I understand um, the U.S. government wanting to change everyone's government. We have the right to vote. We have a right to have a voice. But I understand that, you know, we are a free country to a certain extent. But in order for us to implement our beliefs on other countries like it's so controversial because it's wrong to push anyone's beliefs on anyone that's why we all fled to america is to be free right but all these other countries are so opposite of free and it's like okay part of my brain's like well let's just take over the whole world and make everyone love everyone okay in the brain like (laughs) world domination no but like that's how i'm thinking you know it's like well why can't we just get everyone on the same page and have everyone have you know the same system where you know democracy and all that you know where we can go in and vote and then that's what we've tried to do in the middle east in the past correct arguably okay it didn't work (laughs) i mean obviously we're still in war there's the problem with uh that narrative implies that U.S. foreign policy has a very benevolent meaning behind it. Like when we're intervening in Guatemala or intervening in El Salvador or Brazil for that matter or Venezuela, all these places, that we do it with the best of intentions to try to create a democracy. When 
you know, looking at the records a lot of times that we never cared about that. It, it's 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 a weird paradox though, because here in America, you know, they care about the anthem of democracy, but overseas it's just business. Overseas is no, I want to overthrow this government in Brazil because I want their oil, and I will sponsor this military coup that will mm. create a fascist regime for thirty years, torture tens of thousands of people mm. just so I can get that oil. And that's the same thing with Iraq, which is the most irony of that all. That was the biggest one, right? About oil. Because our involvement in Iraq from the perspective of most Americans, is 1991 and 2003. But actually, our real involvement in Iraq started way earlier. Arguably started in 1979 when we told uh, a young political operative to overthrow his uncle and become the new president of Iraq. And his name was Saddam Hussein. And we sponsored and backed mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I guess a war against Iran. Gave him weapons. Gave created him money. a monster. But yeah. that, was, that, was my, that was my favorite bits from Bill Hicks where he was joking about... Uh, the U.S. claiming, like, we know Saddam has weapons. And it's like, well, yeah, how do you we know gave that? it to him. It's That's like, how do you know that? Uh, we looked at the receipt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we went over the invoice. I mean, we know exactly <laughs> what he has. It's like, we know exactly what he has. How do you know? With that being said, mm-hmm. how do they try to implement this new government? Like, well, it depends on which that? situation you're talking about. So, whenever they're freeing these countries, mm-hmm. how the hell are they freeing them if we're still in war with them? That's kind of like my question. Well, we're not really trying to free them, is what I would argue. Like, in some cases, we try to create the facade of democracy, and a good example of that is Afghanistan. So, you know, in 2009, we criticized Iran for rigging their election. You know, it was the whole world had this big news about Iran rigged the presidential election. Next door, in the same month, they admitted, the U.S. government admitted, yeah, we rigged that election because we didn't want the other guy to win. Like, but how is that free? Yeah, there's always a double standard with the We US, blatantly so. just admitted, yeah, we didn't want the other guy. Mm-hmm. We wanted them to believe that they had a right to vote, but we actually s- just took it from them at the end. As far as U.S. foreign policy is concerned over all the decades, including today, we like people voting as long as they vote the way we like. See, I feel as though if you can't do it the right way, then stay the hell out of their business. <laughs> like, yeah. in, Honestly, the biggest barrier to democracy in the Middle East over the past several decades arguably was the United States. So there was a very big and uh, growing democracy in the Middle East in 1953 in Iran. They had a prime minister and they, you know, nationalized oil and they were going to use this oil to build infrastructure, schools, hospitals, you name it. But the U.S. didn't really like that very much. So we overthrew him and installed the Shah. And the Shah had a 26-year uh, dictatorship, disappearing students, torturing people, and robbing the country blind for 26 years until the people rose up in 1979 and the revolution. It's a shame that as a state rep, you're not going to be involved in inf- any foreign policy. Yeah. Because I think you know what you're talking about there. It would, that would be really fun. But you yeah. can still to deal with that. You can still climb, you know, yeah. like once you're at state yeah, that representative. Was my, that was my question. So yeah. like, you're, your this aspirations? Is, is this your first time ever running for any office? It is. Okay, so where, what's, do you have like an end goal to all of this? Or are you like, I'm just really comfortable, I just want to take care of my state and then I'll be good? Or like, we could be like, talking I want to the keep next growing and growing like, and growing. You just want to do something? I guess the way I see it is I want to do the best I can in my role, however high that goes. And my worldview is that of Thomas Paine, where my country is the world and my religion is to do good. I guess my question would be, 
what was the what's the initial like 9-11 was the initial thing that started that war mm -hmm. okay why did we choose that middle eastern area well the u.s has been intervening in third world democracies for over 100 years i mean arguably our 50th state is one of them you know we just straight up invaded a few islands in the pacific and made it a state you know there's mm -hmm. still locals in hawaii by the way who still you know growl about it hate who still, us who still don't really? like who still don't like the fact oh, that the yeah. u.s is over there and how many states are in america in um, america there are 50 states and like half a dozen territories okay so not 51 no okay i got that wrong a couple weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think what we were thinking of it is probably um dc yeah it's, it's like 50 a plus dc yeah yeah so, so that's where, where we want to add 51 DC. yeah but at this point, D.C. should be a state. It's weird that it's not. Puerto Rico should be a state. Right. You know. Well. But like, it, it, like even other countries who visit the United States, they all find it extremely weird. They're like, wait, this is the bastion of world democracy. And the people in the capital have no representatives in Congress. That's weird. That no one represents D.C.? No one yeah. represents D.C. Huh. Okay. That's why all their license plates jokingly say taxation without representation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Just got it. In <laughs> fact, they only were able to vote for president in 1964 mm. because of a constitutional amendment. Hmm. Wow. People that live in D.C.? People that live in D.C. Mm. only got the right to vote for president in 1964. That is crazy. Mm. Wow. And, and it's just, just that Washington, D.C. It's just the District of Columbia wow. that has more people than two states. The wow. residents there don't get to vote for nope president they only get to vote for president they can't vote for anything else oh, okay. they have no they don't have any yeah, they have okay. no representatives in congress gotcha. you see like us living in louisiana yeah. we have the right so who to makes elect the laws there u.s congress okay so it's kind of like the nation okay so it's just federal laws so it's like the mm -hmm. okay well it's local law controlled by the federal government okay so basically it's a federal to state. speed up to speed up a short history the Capitol used to be wherever Congress met, uh -huh. so it was obviously really unstable. <laughs> and then one time, I believe it was New York, they had a they had a you know a congressional meeting there, but there were local riots because they didn't like the local taxes, and like the Capitol was like trapped, and they mm -hmm. had like no guards, no nothing to protect them. So they were like, well, we're not going to do that again. So they cut off a district between Virginia and Maryland and mm -hmm. said. This is a district no state has any jurisdiction over. This is federal mm -hmm. land right. owned by the Congress. Gotcha. And Congress will control everything here. See, I had no idea. Now, that worked because back then it was just a dried-up swamp and no one yeah, lived there. Right. But now you have 750,000 people there, mm -hmm. and that's more than, what, Wyoming and one other state. I wonder what the taxes were like there, like it's to live high. there. It's very high. So that's, that's the thing living about today is, you know, in the time of Rome, you want to live in Rome. But in the time of today, I mean, like, America is such a vast and powerful nation. Like, Rome ain't got shit on us. Like, See, like, I so huge. felt like I might want to move to Canada, you know? Like, somewhere <laughs> super neutral, somewhere, yeah. you know. No yeah. one this is Canada. my home. No, yeah, no one hates Canada. Yeah. They're so nice. That's how I always said I wanted I, to live in Australia. <laughs> I was like, I'll just be down here chilling on my Aethon. island. We're just chilling down here. Y'all keep your shit up there. Down under. I like, love how I love how Joe Rogan says it. He's like, because he visited Canada a bunch, he's like, Canada's like America with like 20% less douchebags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always said I'd move to Canada just to get out of the South. Not for any other reason. Just because I the just, heat. The heat. I hate the South. I hate the heat. 
I'm very proud of my culture of being Cajun, but other than that, I don't need to live it. But you're also <sighs> Canadian Cajun. I am. I mean, I'm from technically Acadiana. Acadiana yeah. yeah. Technically, I'm from Canada, so I just want to go home. So my dad is a U.S. Uh, citizen, but he's from Iran. But, you know, when he talks, he talks with uh, an American accent and he's in Paris and they're all just like, why did you elect Trump? He's like, I didn't do it. Like, it wasn't <laughs> Does he me, have dude? to like revert back to speak in? Does he speak Iranian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whenever he's in another country, does he speak? Do you speak? I mean, he speaks. I wish I did. Uh, like my, my dad and mom failed me in that regard. They should have you know, taught us when we were kids. I don't. I should have been trilingual. I should have known Spanish and Farsi. Yeah. But uh, both of them wanted to be more American, I guess, which mm-hmm. in hindsight is dumb. But I get why they did it because they, they were scared that their kids wouldn't fit in. Mm-hmm. But knowing that if we weren't, we but weren't going so to happen But that's so super anyway. cool that you have both those sides mm-hmm. yeah. and Iranian that you're an American man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so do you, you speak Spanish? I wish. Okay. I, under- I understand it a lot. I can't. Yeah. I can't like recite or have a yeah, dialogue. Right. But like, if I listen to people talking, I can kind of pick up like subjects mm-hmm. and what's yeah. going on. Get Rosetta Stone or yeah. something. So, the way my sister learned it was, we were in Mexico. We stayed with my great aunt, who did not know any English, and like in a month, we were all reciting Spanish words and phrases, and we all knew mm-hmm. what yeah. to order. The funniest thing was like for the first two weeks, we only ate eggs because that was the only word we knew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, huevos, huevos, Fierros, <laughs> That's right. You know? but, but Joanna thought it meant food, mm-hmm. and like she kept bringing it. It's like no huevos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just love how she was just like what? Yeah, I found out uh, over the years like. So my dad's from Iran, and uh, my mom is from Mexico. But on my mom's side, she's half Spanish, half indigenous. So it's like, you know, most people don't know, but, like, there's a lot of white people in Mexico. Mm -hmm. We don't think about that because we just think everyone's brown. But, like, there are people in Mexico that, like, as white as hell, but they speak Spanish. So she's, her grandmother is pure from Spain. And uh, her mom actually was ostracized by... uh, my grandfather's family because she was half Spanish. They were just like, no, we don't mm. accept her. Yeah. And somehow there's Japanese in there. Not exactly sure why. I think it's so <laughs> cool, like, how many different, uh, you know, races and stuff that there are. There's so much in-depth culture in this world. Like, a lot of people don't know. There's over 800 different languages in Africa. I don't or even understand how anyone child, can be racist. Or that the average child <laughs> in Uganda or Kenya knows three languages. Because we have sight. That's why you know. yeah. we can see. But it's if you're if you if you do your DNA, you'll realize that you're but you are. You are like the people judge you people hate. By what they mm-hmm. look like. I mean you, what, you know. Yeah, you are the people you, I am who I hate. I mean I really don't hate anybody, but I am everything. Yeah. yeah like I'm a literally twenty six percent of who I am is unknown because I am literally every single thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you say that. I was listening to a WRKF story about this rural doctors that get paid very well. And they get paid very well because no one wants to go out to rural Louisiana. Mm-hmm. That's just way isolated from everybody. But they get paid like $400,000 a year or something. And they have this very specific um, kind of vacation, but it's like a work vacation type thing where they'll send them to another country to do medicine as part of their pay. And it's about like cultural, you know, uh, exchange, et cetera, and mm-hmm. learning how to, uh, you know, bring medicine yeah. to the third world. Mm-hmm. So this guy's perspective was interesting because he was saying that he never thought in his life 
that he, as someone living in rural Louisiana, would have so much more in common with mm-hmm. a village in Uganda than he would with Boston. Right. Yeah. You know, that they right. all go through the same struggles. Yeah. To, you know, yeah. every mother wants to have a kid that's fed and, you know, oh, it, their uh-huh. fever, yeah. you know, like bringing them to the doctor. Yeah. Like they all have the same fears and yeah. aspirations. And the only thing separating us are these invisible lines we call borders. Right. Yeah. And it's like we all love the same and we all you know feel the same especially about you know health and children and your Mm -hmm. family i mean everyone wants to protect their family and that's just like a universal language of just love basic human um wants and needs yeah and like just having empathy for others is a huge thing that i think we lack in america because we're so concerned about those borders Mm -hmm. but it's because you're so concerned about yourselves ourselves not you just like in yeah general. Mm-hmm. well i am very concerned about myself what is it? <laughs> yeah for the record when is the election october 12th cool what are you doing for the election you guys you guys gonna have a little election party oh we're definitely gonna have an election party is it gonna I be at the vineyard yeah hell yeah i'm gonna be there hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> i believe it's gonna be at the vineyard if it changes i'll let everyone know yeah. but so far tentatively is at the vineyard cool and once you win, we will have a um, party on glitter and gossip. Yeah. Yay. And uh, how many people are you running against again? I'm There's running five. against uh, four others. Yeah. So There's I'm running five. against three Republicans. So that's Scott McKnight, Thomas Dewey, Lori Adams, and another Democrat, Taryn Branson. And we'll, we, the top two are going to get into the runoff, which will be November 16th. Your goal is just to get into the runoff. So, so really, you technically only have one competitor at the moment, right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Until after the primary, I think that you'll win the primary for sure, and then it'll be probably down to you and Scott McKnight. Hopefully. And then hopefully you beat that ass. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely rooting for you. And Once again, <laughs> if you actually make me, and this is you make me feel okay. <laughs> you actually make me feel like you make me feel very independent in my beliefs instead of swaying to one side like listening to you and talking with you about all of this political stuff and that's what i'm going to say because i don't really know a lot about it makes me open my mind to a different avenue of thinking and and i really appreciate that it's educating because me he just answers the question as a person, as a person as instead a, of a Democrat or a Republican and like making you feel stupid in the things that you're saying. Right. He lets you speak and then he answers it. Which is going to make him a great representative for, you know, Baton Rouge because you are every race. I mean, you know, to a certain extent, a lot of different people are going to want to listen to you because you're not just a typical white male. Like, you know what I mean? That's what we can Mm -hmm. hope for. Like, I feel like there's going to be people are going to be more open to listen to something that you have to say than a, just a straight white man or a white lady. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's a, that's something that you have that I think you should use, you know, in your sure. campaign. Um, my last question, because uh, how long is your term? Is it just a, is it a yearly term every year? It's four years. Okay. So you know, I like, get elected on the same ballot with the governor. Okay. Boo, so you like the president of district 68. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> that's like his people. I like it. So that's he, my people. You know, his constituents. So, like, that's whatever they want, you know. Yeah. He represents them. And District 68 is, like, the heart of Baton Rouge pretty much, isn't it? It is. Probably yeah. the heart of, like, def- definitely the heart of South location. Baton Rouge because it's, like, the Garden District. 
and it goes all the way yeah. down I-10 to the oh, uh, country club. It's probably my favorite district. I mean, it's the district <laughs> that we work in. Yeah, it's it was the district well, I lived in. It's definitely at least one of the very main We're ones. in that district right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're chilling <laughs> in it. Currently in the district. Yeah. Uh, definitely it'd be good to uh, give yourself credit because a lot of people, you know, they already get into conversations with their own pre- preconceived notions and they have barriers and they don't want to hear mm-hmm. new information. I think the most important thing that people have to be willing to say as we get older and we're trying to recognize that this, you know, myth of the adult doesn't really exist. Right. We're all just kids getting older totally. and, you know, your education never stops right. no matter how old you get. Totally. You have to be willing to say, I don't know. Right. And there's too many yeah. times I see people who they're like, I don't know, but let me look up but let me the Republican or Democrat yeah. talking point and I'll just repeat that. Right. Instead of thinking yeah. about it themselves. Yeah. It's okay to say you don't know, because mm-hmm. yeah. frankly, there will be times where I don't know, and I'm gonna ask. And also, you know, not just taking any information that you hear, or whatever, and just just automatically believing that it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we have to f- all try and formulate our own opinions on our own. Yeah, and I think it's important too to just like always, you know, like have the outlook of that, like open deciding Republican or Democrat has been the only option since the beginning of the government. <laughs> so as we continue to grow and evolve hundreds of years later as human beings that you don't have to, like you can decide well, this is where I definitely sway more because my opinions definitely value this one side more than the other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you can you know, say, oh, I'm a Democrat or oh, I'm a Republican just because my beliefs yeah. sway more towards this way. Yeah. But to like be comfortable in the sense that it's like, I'm part of this party, but don't get it twisted that I agree with every single thing right. that they do. Yeah. Exactly, because it limits your vote. imagination. Sure. Yeah. It limits your imagination. Like, mm-hmm. it reminds me of even, like, we'll you know, the popular movie, um, you know, Avengers Endgame with Thanos snapping his finger to try to save the world or whatever. And no one ever brought up, it's like, you know, there's all these videos about, like, was Thanos right or was he wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. No one ever brings up, like, why didn't he just snap his finger and double the supply of food? Right. You know, or double the supply of everything. Like, you you can invent things. You can create things out of thin air. But it's like no one ever got out of the mentality of it's either this or this. The the false dichotomy of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that pollutes everything in life so far. So the more we can pull back from that, the more we can actually solve problems. Right. That's what, yeah, that's what I've always said. I just think it's important that you remember that you're not limited to what Mm -hmm. your one side says. Mm -hmm. You're not limited to whatever your parents taught you right you can make your own opinions and thoughts and beliefs and then that can even change i remember sitting in uh, like even the once you develop your own they can still you should still be open-minded to that they can change later in life too yeah. i remember going to uh, junior high school and getting in there with my mom and watching her vote for bill clinton mm. like i remember like mom you're voting for bill clinton she's like shh Ugh, i can hear you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like why is it dad like yeah. i don't know what's going on but i'm like because it is such a personal it is i mean i'm okay i'm open of just in general with Mm -hmm. whatever the hell i think so it doesn't really offend or bother me but i mean it definitely was mom was like shut up my bad mama (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah something about older voters that i've noticed they're very they're very secretive of who they vote for Mm. i've noticed that young younger people millennials are just like they'll brag yeah like i vote for this person or i vote for Mm -hmm. this person Mm -hmm. they got the bumper stickers and everything yeah well i um I've I've learned in doing in barbering in in our book, our barbering book, it says don't talk about religion, 
sex or politics with your clients. And I have tried very hard. <laughs> I know you've broken all the Very all hard over the years not to talk about those things in particular. <laughs> well, pol- I think politics is such like a touchy subject right now. And like obviously from the fact that outside of just like the blatant reasons why, I think we're in like a like a time of evolution as far as like a people and the way we think mm-hmm. and like in a sense of division that we're kind of growing into not that we are divided as a country but just like people being more outbursty with their side and how they feel is just I think we're in a time of evolution and growth outside of what we've been doing for the last 200 years and so I think that that's why it's so touchy and why people feel so passionately about it now is because we're trying to grow and move past and a lot I feel like a lot of people are leaning more towards the side now of we don't have to believe every single thing that we fall against and you know y'all we've probably been we we could switch some shit up Mm -hmm. you know we've been doing the same shit for a long time also we have Mm -hmm. been lied to before yeah (laughs) so I think I think that's why it's become like such a passionate thing now and people are so outspoken about it is because we're trying to grow and you can't grow by just sitting back and and whiffling chilling you know just like oh yeah we'll just (laughs) vote again see if it anything else happens this time Mm -hmm. you know i just think we're in like a huge stage of growth just as like a society and i think it makes people passionate it makes them upset when things don't go their way or whatever else and the thing that inflames all that is the beauty or darkness of social media yep Mm -hmm. yeah i happen to be sort of an optimist in this regard where i think the problem with social media and politics is just going through an adolescent phase and once we know exactly how things are done and kind of get into the mm-hmm. you know the regu- regularity of things then you know social media will be more of a positive outlook for politics i think we're going through an adolescent phase yeah, it's true. i, I mean this has never been around yeah. before social media has never been as big as it was now and yeah. i mean Absolutely. if i was running for anything i would definitely be using influencers you know, mm-hmm. as part of my platform. Yeah, because I can remember, I literally remember like when uh, Barack Obama was running in his first election against John McCain. I remember like, I, I don't, the first. it was on MySpace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was on MySpace. And I remember, yeah, <laughs> I remember like seeing stuff about him winning, you know, just like on MySpace, but like it wasn't to the extent that it was now. It was just like random bulletins or like, and I mean, I was still young, but granted, like even like the adult friends that I had, like my mom's friends and my family and stuff, like people just weren't, you just didn't do that. People didn't have social media yet. And then, you know, Barack gets reelected and he, you know, kind of was already guaranteed the spot. It really wasn't too much of a what's going to happen. Then in this past election, social media was at its largest. America was kind of at like a weird torn standstill. It was like a really mm. sensitive time for everybody, especially coming out of having the first black president that we've ever had. And then kind of had didn't have like a like a runner like there was the the option wasn't better Mm -hmm. you know so like it was a really sensitive time social media was the biggest it's ever been and yeah i I agree and i think that so it was the first time that they ever really had to do that so i do think that it's a baby stage and like nothing showed me how much the election this time around in 2016 had infected every single level of communication between more than one person than when i'm playing you know starcraft or something and it's part of this international you know community and people randomly in the chat which is bring up trump yeah just randomly and i'm just like are we here just playing a game yeah like, trying to just play this no, video no, game man you know like just nothing to do no yeah. no relation but people just randomly trump 
yeah. you know and yeah that level of passion that people had whether it was for trump then and bernie sanders or all these different uh can various candidates that had strong feelings about mm. everyone just was ready to shout it out loud yeah and then, like, they did it, you know, they talk a lot about, like, how social media feeds what you mm -hmm. want, what feeds you what Just you want to see. So if exactly. in, in like, yeah. its baby stage, if you are, you know, a Republican and you read Republican things, the Internet's going to just send you more Republican mm -hmm. shit, whether it's true right. or false. Right. And you're just going to keep reading it yeah. because it, it. there's nothing else popping up on your timeline. Right. If yeah. you're a Republican and you're that strong, mm -hmm. you know, people make facebook's and instagram just for pol political mm -hmm. reason too so like just to view political stuff so if you feel that passionately about it you're probably only friends with republicans too mm -hmm. that have and share the same stuff that you do mm -hmm. so therefore that's all you're seeing and mm -hmm. it just feeds you and feeds you and feeds you and it great, it's great you brought that up because that also is a big problem with all these random conspiracy theories that keep coming up yeah so like when someone brings up an event on youtube the next you know ready to play autoplay right. would be a conspiracy theory on right, that particular yeah. event yeah where right. just You're like, like oh yeah even the bodies are cold they yeah. already have yeah you yeah. know oh this was totally. a false flag this totally. was this you know like yeah on what well you have a website vote mm -hmm. feeny right vote feeny so everybody can go f-i-n-i f-i-n-i want to donate or learn more about the candidate did you get a lot of feeny jokes when you were younger from boy meets world quite uh, <laughs> i didn't even think just of that asking. Every. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give it to you, but I just wanted to. It's know. cool. I mean, it's better than the other jokes I got. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Feeney was the shit. So yeah, I like oh, him yeah. as a character. Yeah. So if it was a character I thought was annoying, I wouldn't like it. But it was fun. And as a reminder, you can vote for this man October 12th in Baton Rouge, District 68. Mm -hmm. Again, our candidate's name is Joshua Feeney, coolest dude ever. Even though he's a Democrat, I still yeah. like him. No, I'm just playing. He's an amazing guy. Thank you so much, Joshua, for being here. I think that you definitely opened eyes to a lot of people, and um, hopefully this election works out in your favor. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having yeah. me. Thank you. I think uh, the state would be lucky. Yeah, lucky and honored and would benefit from uh, a representative like you. Yes, I agree. Agreed. Thank you. Fully agree. I'll be voting. And as a reminder, you can see or hear more from Joshua Feeney at VoteFeeney.com. Again, this is Kelly Hutchinson-Shapwee, and this was another episode of Glitter and Gossip.